so bad that it loops back around to being good. Or so we hope. Just wanted to take a minute and say that if you enjoy what you hear, you can rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to our YouTube or SoundCloud, or follow us on Twitter, at Desho. We also have an inbox at Desho at gmail if your message can't be fit into 280 characters. And we read all the messages you send and reply to them, whether they make it to air or not, because we really do love our community which we hope you'll become a part of if you haven't already. But, whether you do or not, you have our sincere thanks for listening, friend. Hope you enjoy the show. Hello. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, ladies, gentlemen, and NBs. Welcome to Watery the Shoe. Well said. I'm the Subtle Doctor. This is Stream of Thought. I am. Uh, I have the lead mic today. I guess. Well, all of our mics are equal, but my mic is the first among equals. And along for the ride, uh, my. Uh, Sega Genesis loving. Oh, you fucker! Ring pop, absolute fucker! <laughs> ring you... popping. No, <laughs> stop it. Uh, you know, Coolio super fan. Shadon. We live in a post Sonic 2019 trailer world now, folks, and I. Okay, I'm going to make one comment. Make <laughs> you one can't comment. resist! You I will make resist. one comment. I will restrain myself. Okay. Um, Coolio, Gangster's Paradise, like, about the only way I can think they picked that song for that trailer is if it's just if just like, you know, the producer just went up to, like, you know, one of the lead animators, like, Yo, Tim, what's on that Spotify playlist you're playing there? What's playing right now? I got no creativity up in here. All I know is how to count dollars and ruin people's lives. When you were playing uh, Sonic the Hedgehog on your Genesis, what what cassette tape singles were you listening to at home? None, because I, I was listening to the actual music in the game itself. <laughs> no, I mean, the good this, stuff. Is, this is what they were asking Tim, the animator, you know? What was of a similar vintage? Early 90s Genesis game, early 90s rap song? Like, I feel like that's what they're going for, but thereby they have, they have uh, really... I mean, what are the... <laughs> this, this happens pass. with almost all trailer songs, like... The meaning has totally context has been totally sucked away. They've done some like Guardians of the Galaxy did all right with well both of them with their musical choices. Yeah, they did yeah, just they, be done they, well. they, they did just you know, turn on random and shuffle and go right. Let's spin the wheel of fortune here. See what music I get. Well, I mean, 
bear that than Gary Glisser, I guess. But, well, you know, we're not exactly scraping the top of the barrel here. So, uh, yeah. Oh, and the rest of it sucks balls as well. There's my other second opinion. Enjoy. That's one's free. We'll, we'll miss you, Mirror, while you're away at the at the doctor's. Hope everything goes well. Welcome, everyone else. Um, Yuki, uh, regrettably, Vorgelia cannot be with us today. Yeah. She wanted to, but she was overworked and overtired and mm. so she had to take a had to take a pass today um uh, that, that is the uh that is the you know default excuse here as opposed to the fact that she's just currently you know fighting off the hordes of hell like you know they're coming out of her cupboard listen you as, know it happens on a, it happens on a bi-monthly basis as the dark web there are some gatekeeping responsibilities yeah. you know she she was issued the standard you know cachet of weapons and uh, she has to do her duties. So we try not to talk about it explicitly. We're going to erase all your memories after this chat is over. So prepare. Um, you can Tallulah erase Bell... my memories of the Sonic trailer while you're at it. Oh, yes. Tallulah Bell, um, listen, you're very lucky in some respects that you're off Twitter. <laughs> uh, sometimes I wish I was off Twitter. Uh, but let's move from... Uh, you know, the blue bird of Twitter to the lovely blue skies of Saras and Mai. Um, mm-hmm. The Ikukara delight and incisive critique and wonderful anime production. Um, but before we, we get into episode three, three I, I want, want to connect, connect but, but it's, it's not meant, meant to be. be. Can we revisit Twitter? And take mm-hmm. a look at the poll results from episode two. I want to connect, but I want to take. All right. Well, let's take some time discussing these uh, poll results then. So, first off, episode two was the answer previously Garfield. <laughs> and I'm going to give a nice here. A nice. Because 69% said, yes, he hates Mondays too. You've done well. You've done me proud, Warrior fans. Thank you so much for that. Thirty-one uh, percent uh, just said no. They're totally different. Presuming that meant something different, but then of course, Twitter, you know, just still enforcing of... arbitrary, you know, character limits even to this day. I'm surprised they're not making us, you know, do our tweets on cave paintings or inside of walls. But there uh, you know. All right. <clears throat> so next question, Dishu. No, really, as simple as that, Dishu. And you had three. You had three choices here, and only one of them was wrong. Uh, first one was Dishu. Second one was Dishu. And the last one was No Dishu. Which I presume is like some sort of twisted variance on Noel Edmonds Deal or No Deal. Dishu or No Dishu? I don't know. Who hosted your Deal or No Deal? Uh, that would be Noel, uh, Noel Edmonds, uh, famous entertainer, quote unquote. I think someone called Monty Hall hosted Deal or No Deal in America. Maybe Man, that was a later inter- iteration of it. Overblown, overwrought, crappy game show that was yeah, just basically nothing so more. So bad, so bad. Absolute I mean, tat. Okay, uh, what is your favorite game show? I'll ask as I correct. Crystal Maze. Crystal Maze. This is not even Wait a up for debate. This is not not even up for discussion. What is Crystal Maze? I'll have to discuss this on a different on a different cast because I could be here for hours talking about it. But I grew up that in my childhood, and that show was the tits. Quote unquote. You can you can put that on a box somewhere. I love that show. Crystal Maze was great. Anyway, uh, so poll results: seventeen percent said Dishu, 
72% said D shoe, and 11% said no D shoe. Uh, you are correct, Bell. The weakest link was um, was a game show, an actual one that involved skill and knowledge as opposed to the ordeal, which just basically involved guesswork and just you know making shit up as you went along. <clears throat> so, final question: Since Kepi looks like a prune this episode, this is something who, reference that I that I mentioned. Who Go voted on. no Dishu? Like, come forward and chat, you cowards! Out yourself! Like, why in the streets? What? Find me in the streets, yo. You had two. You had Dishu and D. Like you could, you know, you could go either way. But was Vargelia scripting again? Was Vargelia scripting again? (laughs) All right. Okay. You're right. Not unheard of possibility. This could be her shenanigans. That's entirely possible. Oh well, you can just fest up. Yuki. Surprise. Yuki non. Yeah. Yuki put all his uh, talent points into creating artwork and not into actually having any goddamn common sense, so there we go. Explain explain yourself. Why no Dishu? You must have the Dishu. At least, well, you know, he's just trying to trigger us, which no doubt will now lead him to, you know, make numerous illusionary references to our favourite number two, because it was the second one we did, uh, but I won't talk about that anymore. So, yeah, since Kepi looks like a prude this episode, this is episode two, we have to ask, did you find the California Raisins creepy as a kid? Uh, this uh, archaic reference that I just pulled out of my backside, as I often want to do. Um, this was a mixed bag, actually, so I'm guessing some people had less traumatic childhoods than others, or maybe they had bigger concerns to worry about. Uh, anyway, uh, 41% said, fuck yes. No issue on the California Raisins, that's for sure. Uh, 30% said, Still do, to be honest. And 29% said, nah. Nah. You know, Apinovi, poor, poor Apinovi, before we did that poll, did not know what the California Raisins were. And they, you know, they they Googled and YouTubed said Raisins, and uh, boy, (laughs) they were not happy with what they saw. They are terrifying. The California Raisins are legitimately scary. They look like dried up nut sacks to me. Oh, but they're like singing songs and playing jazz and it's blinking with these eyeballs. It's just, oh, oh, it's not. It's bad. It's bad. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. I mean, that's another thing. Like, maybe maybe the people behind the California Raisins came up with the Sonic trailer. It would fit. <laughs> that like uncanny, unsettling creature. Fact, the, yeah. Just pure, mm-hmm. pure evil. You know, yeah, pure... you have to. You, yeah, you have to be like the most wicked kind of individual to come up with garbage like that and expect to crap it out on the internet and have people go, yes, please, by good sir, may I have some more? We love this. We we love it. We feel everyone is going to love it. Make ten of these commercials. And I think they had a cartoon, but it was nowhere near as scary as like the fucking stop-motion claymation weirdness. Uh, this is how my best friend, my college roommate, uh, felt... And still feels, I think, about the uh, the trash heap from Fraggle Rock. It gives him nightmares because of, yeah, just weird puppetry. Yeah, I'm very sorry to say, Sulu Bell. Uh, the California raisins are <laughs> yes! acid ni- someone's acid nightmare brought to life. It's just these wrinkled creatures. It's horrible, horrible. Dear, singing soul well, music. <laughs> yeah, this is what I get for having, like, you know, a really, really 
really like patchwork for osmosis kind of sense of pop culture where I'll reference stuff that never even appeared in my country, but I know that by process of just picking up as I go along. And sometimes it comes up with me saying something like that and I just think to myself, wow, I'm an awful human being, aren't I? Well, if I had to suffer, so do you, fuckers. That's right. Yeah, That's... Enjoy. <laughs> this is what you're along for the ride for. In what are you Indeed. <clears throat> Indeed. Excuse me. Okay. So, yeah, that was the polls. Thank you very much to everyone who mm-hmm. uh, offered their thoughts on that. Uh, we'll have some more coming along either during the cast, say, or immediately afterwards. Do keep an eye on our Twitter at Warrior Show. Yes, indeed. So, uh, episode three, I want to connect, but it's not meant to be. Sounds um, like what happened with my Wi Fi when I last tried to get it working. <laughs> this is, what if this is just about a router? <laughs> Inta is a router. That's. They're all various parts of, like, you know, <laughs> computer and telephony. Um, yeah, I'm going to say, like, if I, have, if I ever have kids and they're struggling with their sexuality, the one piece of advice I will never give them is, have you tried turning it back on and off again? It won't end well. I watched the movie where that guy from the IT crowd, like, the the Scottish fellow, was, uh, like, the lead mm. romantic uh, bridesmaids. Uh, he was like the, he was the the love interest, and I just I don't know, like he was good in the movie. It was a fun movie, but back when I was first watching the IT crowd, I wasn't like that guy right there. He's gonna be the guy in the rom com that the lead girl wants and ends up with. <laughs> I have to say, oh well, that was fun. Then, then again, to be fair, you know the IT crowd. It shows uh, lead writer Graham Linehan's uh, understanding of IT in the same way it shows understanding of you know trans people, i.e., not knowing fuck all about it. Man, eat shit, eat shit, Glitter. Indeed, each is what a fucking bummer. Okay, kid, let's move on. Um, <clears throat> episode three. So before I uh, do my best to summarize what happened here, I uh, want to quickly read you guys the wikipedia page for the storyboarder and episode director mm-hmm. no need to talk about the writers uh once again the dynamic duo of uh ikuhara and utsumi are pinning this episode they've written every episode thus far um interestingly last episode um well actually so hop back to episode one Episode one, <laughs> episode one has a single director, Masato Jinbo, and that person is the also the director for episode three. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> this is why I couldn't. I I struggled to pull up information on them because Wikipedia for episode three has him listed as Masato Jimbo. Like I was James. about to say. <laughs> <laughs> Oi, Jimbo! Um, instead of Jimbo, uh, my, my, my dad's name. My dad goes by Jimbo, so I guess mm-hmm. maybe he directs this episode. Yes, I'll have to go ask him in a bit. His Masato on his birth certificate. Oh, good god! <laughs> so, like, I assume this is the same person. It's a typo. It might not be. There's chat could be saying right now. It's not a typo. It's the the person is. This is a pseudonym for a totally different person. Like, I just couldn't find any information. But the thing I did want to point out is, um, interestingly enough, episode one had the single director but four storyboarders. 
episodes episodes two and 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 one and the storyboarder was different from the director. Episodes two and three not only have uh, a single director and a single storyboarder. In both instances, they're the same person. So episodes two and three are like really kind of crafted by uh, a single person with of course oversight from the the writers that we mentioned but uh episodes two and three really should kind of show um like hallmarks uh, or touches particular styles mm-hmm. uh, of these directors so that was all i wanted to uh make note of here um this episode was a bit interesting to say the least for someone like me who's a bit new to the whole Ikuhara thing, says Yukinon, wow, so this is your first Iku. That's cool. That's Shadon as well. It's his first yeah. first Iku. So, yeah. yeah. It's been quite the uh, thing so far. I will say that much. Mm-hmm. This is a very um, good thing, though, I must stress. Totally. Totally. I'm so far so good. Like, I, I, it's my suspicion, my hope, that if this is your first Iku, it will. You'd be like, okay, this is really good. I want more because it's really not, you know, super duper, super far removed from his other stuff. Like he's, the things that he tackles and touches on mm-hmm. are pretty consistent throughout, just done in kind of different, different ways. Uh, yeah. And hi, Emily Rand. And yes, Inta, we hear you. I'm going to get, <laughs> we're going to get to Inta. <laughs> this oh, episode man. is all about Inta, who is, people love Inta for a very good reason. Okay. Is now a bad time for me to make an Enter the Dragon joke, given that Sanakin's <laughs> role in the show? He is the dragon of the group. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Why did this not occur to me? <laughs> oh, dear. If, I, if there's one thing I... If there's one thing I want to say, by the way, about Fuck. what I've experienced to be Kahara thus far, like... This is going to sound like a strange analogy. Just... just Bear with me on this. Like, if you've ever done, if you've ever seen anyone do extreme sports, mm-hmm. uh, I'm talking like you know free soloing or you know, what's the? Uh, you mean like like skateboarding, know. BMX biking? Um, no, no, I'm ta- I'm talking the stuff sports. that puts you in real danger. Okay. Like, well, well, hey, skateboarding puts you in real danger. I'll have you know. <laughs> yeah, especially if it's Tony Hawk, because then you're in danger of just becoming forgotten and ignored. <laughs> just, there's danger of irrelevance. But also danger of fucking up your your elbows, like I did when I tried yeah. to skateboard briefly. I, I I tried skateboard as well, and that ended similarly badly. It's just my ankle ended up twisting in a way God did not intend. All right, point being, so extreme sports. Here's the thing, right? If you know what you're doing with extreme sports, you can do some crazy and incredible and awe-inspiring shit. But your margin for error before things become cast- catastrophic is non-existent practically, and. Here's the thing. Maybe, again, it's not a great analogy, but that's how I kind of feel about this so far, and that there's so many ways this material, if it were handed less delicately, it would be bad. I'm talking Persona 5, you know, the people we referenced last time. Bad. Mm-hmm. But thus far, thus far, it's handled its material and its characters with maturity and sensitivity. Like, none of the characters are... Like, we laugh at them. We, like, you know we have a joke and a laugh at them, but we're never laughing at their expense necessarily, not for the, who they are. Like it's more situational comedy. Like that we have a joke, like with what happens with entering Kepi at the end of this particular episode, 
It's never mean-spirited, is the thing I'm trying to get across. Oh. We'll get to. Well, don't worry. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about Enter in great detail this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll come to that in a bit. But yeah, that's my uh, that's my elevated take on how I feel about um, Sirens of I so far. Uh, crazy good, but walking the knife edge and yet making it look easy. Mm. It it does have an effortlessness to it, and uh, it's not cavalier because it is intentional about what it's but just. It's very confident, you know what I mean, and uh, it's like it, it, the musical numbers have in my brain. I just see like the storytellers just doing the story and doing the animation with that whole confidence of the musical number. Like we're fucking doing this, man. We're going for it. <laughs> well, we you know what we're about. That, I mean, you know, labor practices aside, are you saying it runs like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory with the Umpalumpas? No, I do. You know what? I don't want to. No, I'm not going to coast on that. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> umpa lumpa doobity doo. I'm gonna animate toy doing a. <laughs> Never mind. I didn't know where I was going, and I stopped myself early. All right, let's move on. So let's talk about the episode. Okay. So, uh, gonna try to run through this, and then we can discuss. Here we go. So it picks up uh, pretty much where episode two left off. We have Enta kissing Kazuki uh, and Kazuki waking up. Enta, you know, and then we get our OP um, and some things happen that I'll touch on later. But I think the next significant piece that we have is we have Enta practicing soccer at quote unquote their spot. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's a spot that the golden duo Kazuki and he used to practice that and we are treated to them practicing and them kind of creating the spot yeah like, even paid it mm-hmm. yeah and did his first banksy congratulations <laughs> yes uh we'll sell for millions someday but we get this flashback and uh we also see kazuki um so this shot is kind of this shot with enta and then the next shot with enta and Haruka are important, but they're kind of stitched together with we seeing Kazuki dressed up as Sara uh, going to the Kisu shop, the Kisu fish, uh, mm-hmm. and they're closed up, so he can't get his Kishu, uh, Kishu, his Kish. He can't have his. He can't complete today's mission, right? He mm-hmm. was going to take a picture with the fish. So, uh, like I said, the next significant you shot. can't get take out nor can he get me out <laughs> no no uh, none are open yeah, there's, for your, there's your pun by the way for this episode saturated with it all the way <laughs> man so many this is like so much wordplay <clears throat> happening uh in the writing uh so enta is like i said hanging out with uh harukapa um and they're talking about kazuki and they're kind of sharing their feelings about him and mm. haru says you know Kazu doesn't laugh anymore. He quit soccer. Um, he threw away his Mikanga. Like, I want him to play soccer again. I loved watching him play. And Inta agrees, like, that's when I like him the most when he's playing soccer. But Haruka feels like, for whatever reason, it wouldn't matter if he told him that. He feels like he can't tell him, or or that even if he did tell him, 
yeah, it just mm. wouldn't. It wouldn't. If be I may intervene briefly here, I want to just. This isn't really a talking point for like, so I want to bring up now. Uh, I don't know who Haruka's voice actor is, uh, but I want to give them real credit for handling the tone of delivery. Like when he's just drops his face a little bit and then starts saying like he doesn't play football anymore. Like it felt very convincing and very natural in the way that a young child would do, where they're not willing to, you know, or even not necessarily capable of properly articulating their feelings on it. But you can still read the emotion from that as a result. Uh, so definite props there. Totally. Um, so we this happened prior to some of the things I've discussed, but Inta's sister, we see that she has a date with someone, someone called, called Kis. K-I-I-S. <laughs> and there's the Kisu fish and the Kisu smooch. Uh, mm-hmm. So many, many kind of uh, puns are happening. Um, <clears throat> like, so she's got this date and she's waiting for her boyfriend. Uh, but he's late because he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah i mean like that te- that tends to be a reason to be tardy to be quite i know honest. you gotta but it's you... not an excuse <laughs> i don't care if you don't have a pulse you gotta turn up on side for your dates can't people. we can't cut you a break yeah you can't you can't no. stand up uh into sister she's too good she's too good of one mm-hmm. um he's also as we find out later a douchebag <laughs> in a lot of ways or at least that's how he comes across to me um mm-hmm. Inta uh, ends up giving her his uh, Mikanga that he wanted to give to Kazuki. Um, After a uh, quite detailed... uh, Very detailed. (laughs) Fantasy that he rolls in his head, which is a theme throughout this episode. Uh, And it's something I will talk about later, as a matter of fact. Uh, But yeah, like you don't know immediately that's what's happening, but then you just get these little clues of the behavior... And they pose, and the next thing you know, he just says, like, wait, where did you give me this? He's it like, It's like a, yeah. I, part of me hopes that, like, this episode is the end of that. I, the end of the fantasizing. Well, just in such detail, you know what I mean? To to have, for us, the audience, to see these, these scenes, like, especially at the end, you're you know, we'll come to this, but you're you're thinking, wow, he's really doing it. Um, but uh, I guess there, but I guess there are all these clues. I mean, they're eventually mm-hmm. during the scene. You're like the rug is pulled out from under you, and you see like, oh, this is actually fake. Like they're doing the pose again and stuff. You know what I mean? But but I just pour into like let him actually have some of these moments. Don't keep like jerking us around the whole series of this. Um, anyway. So, uh, yeah. What what did I write here? Um, oh, yeah, okay, so he gives her uh, the Mikanga accidentally. Again, uh, he's been having a very vivid daydream. She runs away, and while he's chasing after her, he sees these dudes in his soccer spot, these, you know, green-clad soccer boys, and they're like, huh, uh, Kazuki, he quit soccer, so, like, fuck you, this is our spot now, bro. And he's like, <laughs> fuck me, no, fuck you. And then he fights them. Um, yeah, and he wins like the guys in Revenge of the Nerds did, which is to say not really. Is Misanga? I thought it was Mihanga. But like maybe... 
Oh, Mikanga is pronounced like an S. Oh, okay. It's Portuguese. Uh, Mitanga. <laughs> so, uh, Barcelona, Shadon. Barcelona. Isn't that how it goes? Mm. I could not tell you. I okay. can barely pronounce my own language correctly, so... <laughs> Misanga. Thank you, chap. Because um, it will come up a couple of other times. Thank you for correcting that. Um, yeah, so they rumble, but then we get the otter cop dance. And uh, it's great. Uh, like, it's great every time. And then cut away from the otter cop dance. Uh, again, there. this is where we see that Keese is dead, right? Um and cut back to Inta, and he's saved by Kazuki, and Kazuki is there, and Kazuki is the reunited, is the golden duo, but no, it's just Toy. <laughs> and uh, he said, I just talked to the boys, and they, they scrammed him. Inta defends the idea of holding on to this place, because Toy's very much like, you know, what are you doing? Like, he quit. Like, why are you still? Why are you this way? Why does this matter so much to you? And I want to come back to this point in the discussion. Uh, oh no, flying brides. That's the next. Because point. yeah, that's the next point. Because so, um, that's in, one way to elope. That's for yeah, sure. In the field of desire, instead of everyone's boxes, instead of the uh, a capazon okay. boxes moving around, it's it's these the brides. Um, are now what is gravitating to the Kappa zombie. And so since this is happening, the boys are in the field of desire, and Inta sees his sister as one of the zombie brides and says, Kepi, make me a Kappa. And then the Kappa dance occurs. Like I love the like the backup singers, like da 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 kisu kisu. Like that's my favorite. I love the backup singers so much. Um, so this all this goes down, uh, and the zombie, uh, kiss band, uh, we see that he prefers a quantity over quality approach when it comes to kisu. He wants mm. all the women to love him, and he's been playing all of them. Uh, you know, if, if Inta's sister's anything to go by, each one believes that, you know, she is there, is his one and only, but he wants all of them. And uh, Inta, of course, vehemently disagrees and feels kisses are special for one person. And uh, then they attain the butt ball, and uh, the desire is assimilated into Kepi. But we have a leak. The leakage is happening, uh, and we see some very personal flashbacks, of course, of Enta, who um, we see snuggling Kazuki's shirt. We see uh, him oh, essentially pressing his lips to Kazuki's oh, what did it, recorder. Oh, what did it yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, that's not suggestive at all, clearly. Clearly. Um, poor, poor deluded boy. <laughs> that fool, he's a fool in love, and then, <clears throat> uh, not that that makes it. Yeah, I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> it's it's you feel for him, but it's it's bad behavior, right? It's creepy behavior. And then, of course, he kisses him while he's prone on the ground uh, and asleep. Um, mm-hmm. So he got the indirect kiss and then the direct kiss. 
And, um, of course, he feels a lot of self-loathing about this, and everyone else, you know, well, Toy and Kazuki, because they're connected, you know, see it all, and, and Ted's like, no, I'm finished. And then that ends. Uh, so he's got this self-hatred, and he also believes that, in addition to that, he's, like, damaged his relationship with Kazuki somehow. Um... And then we have Sister. I wish I could remember his sister's name. I, I apologize. Nature. Um, I kid, I kid. <laughs> uh, so she, like, forgets that the boyfriend existed. And not only that, like, he's erased from seemingly, like, existence. He's erased from people's he got, minds. He got, and he's, he got white-wailed. Yeah, he's wiped from he's, the phone. It's um, re-zero all over again. He got white-wailed. Oh, my God. You're right. You're just so right. God. I can't think about ReZero right now. Um, yeah. So we, we get MIB'd and no more kiss. Um, and while this is happening, uh, I don't know if the Otter Cops, Reo and Mabu, are the ones doing it or... Or if they are just kind of knowingly watching it happen, because we hear them as he's getting erased say, humans are such fools, clinging to these brittle connections. They are they are bad. They are anti-human and anti-connection. And so then we see them uh, back at the scene of the otter dance on their giant elevator with all these uh, red strings of fate around them. And we hear this message from the Empire. What in kind of... It, do they give themselves a name besides the Empire? Is it the something no, it Empire? Was, okay. Um, going by the subs, it was not capitalized. So ultimately what the name is, I don't know. But uh, we will find out soon, I suspect. Stay tuned, loyal viewers. Right. So like, yeah, so the Empire is, you know, wants to deliver a message to... Ureo and Mabu is basically like, yo, we've been getting less desire lately. Less of it's been directed to us. We can't fill our quotas. Like, what? what is going on? And the cops intimate that because Kepi is getting in their way and assimilating the desires of these zombies, that that is stopping the flow that is lessening the amount of desire that is being directed toward this other thing the empire and then the empire man says no excuses Just fucking get out there and do it make it work uh give me desire so then we cut back to uh the boys the good kappa boys and some really good music starts playing and then this like this scene right here broke my heart where Kazu says, uh, like, in, instead of, like, reckoning with what happened between he and Enta, or what Enta was doing also on his own, he, like, comes up with a way to just kind of blow it off, like, oh, mm -hmm. you did this on a bet, right? <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. We're cool, man. Mm -hmm. We're okay. Yeah, they pull a switcher on you because uh, Kazuki says, like, oh, they made you on a dare, didn't they? Don't worry about it. And Orenta, like, he steps up and says, no, yeah. I actually do love you. And I was like, oh, okay. We're I know, like, oh, we're, not gonna, fucking... we're not going to duck this. Like, we're not going to duck this. 
and then and then we do we get the rug pulled out my question is like was all of it was every bit of it just fantasy was the oh it's just the bet part fake was him saying no this is very much my business and then they stared at each other before he started talking again. Is that where the cutoff is between the daydream and real? Like, yeah, I really, I want to know what actually happened because I mean, when we cut back, Kazuki's not even facing, he's in the corner on his phone. Um, but yeah, Inta, Inta says that it is my business and, and I love you and we need to be the golden duo again. And But it's just another daydream and he kisses Kepi and then he vomits in the in the spring um so uh let's see oh <laughs> uh and while he is doing this a tiny mouse runs away with his uh misanga that he wanted to present to mm-hmm. that he wanted to present to Kazuki and we have the credits and then we go back to mm-hmm. uh, Harukapa sitting on the same bench that he was before. Inta approaches. Mm-hmm. He's running. He's out of breath. Says, "Fuck it, I give up." The Misanga has been taken away. It's gone. Um, you know, I, I just, I'm tired of like being let down. I'm not going to expect anything anymore. I'm, I'm just, I'm. I'm going to let my feelings for Kazuki go as best I can. And then, you know, Haruka is like, hey, like, poor Enta. Like, but look, I have this Misanga that he threw away when he quit the soccer club, which incidentally was like the same day as Toy started going to their school, by the way. That's a detail that I think is worth pointing out. And you know, Haruka says, oh, like, you're, no, you're the golden duo. Like, you can't give up on him. You'll reach him. Like, mm-hmm. I know it. And Enta feels encouraged and takes the Misanga and vows anew, like, okay, like, yes. I Thank you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to give him this. And, uh, boy, he sure feels a lot more like Haruka's brother <laughs> than Haruka's brother does. <laughs> well uh, he even calls him Enta Nissan, you know, so uh Yeah which is common uh for older buddies you're close to, I think. But well, I'm sure this is what we'll get into in a moment here. Uh but but then we get to zoom out when mom says it's time for you to go. We see Haruka is uh wheelchair bound and we see that he is being treated in a hospital named after our favorite idol, Sada. Mm-hmm. And I think your mind probably went where mine did in that this, like, Haruka being in uh, a wheelchair and Kazuki having a sudden change of behavior that everyone else has noticed and is sad about, um, my assumption is that these things are connected. I wasn't so sure of that, but I have a, I have a theory on that that I'll get to in a bit. So in episode um, one, right, we have the very beginning, Kazuki running around and getting hit with a big sign, 
And I guess, like, it would be kind of a an easy theory to go, well, this was a an abstraction of some kind of accident. There was maybe a car crash or something like that. And that is what mm. happened to Haruka. Like, the result is that he's uh, wheelchair-bound. And Kazuki, of course, can't laugh. He quits his club. He changes a lot because he feels guilty about all this. And he's, like, kind of warped into this person that... Mm. trying to like make Haruka happy with these text messages has like consumed him to the point that he's not really being the brother that Haruka needs him to be. This is my I theory. I, I'm just going to play it more literally and say that I don't think that, I mean, I don't know what the sign was right yet. Um, we'll figure that out at some point, but as Silabelle's just looking in chat, we did hear Haruka's voice at that time. Um, well, I have a different theory, but I'm going to save that for a bit because I'm going to need to talk about both Hurricane and Enter in the same point in order to get it across. I'll probably be completely wrong, as always, but hey, you know, I'll give it a <laughs> shot. I mean, I did well That's with okay. the promised level on But by the way, just to go back to the whole wheelchair thing, you did actually call out in the previous episode that there were, like, guide rails or handrails in the home. I remember you saying that on the podcast. Did I say that? It was either you or Vorgelia. Okay. One of you two. I'll get, let's that. give Vorgelia credit for that, because I don't remember saying yeah. that. <laughs> it was mentioned that that was a detail in, in uh, Kansky's home. So yeah, that's again already been foreshadowed. Again, this show, for all its wacky hijinks and crazy visuals, pay attention to the small details, because there's plenty of it going. Totally. Thank you, chat, by the way, for linking threads and talking about yeah. discussions yeah. happening. Else, like, I want to go back yeah. and look at all this after. It's, it's Hard for me, a bad multitasker, even though I'm a millennial. I'm supposed to be able to do that, but clearly I was defective. Oh, uh, my uh, my apologies to the bell. I could have, I mean, maybe <laughs> my just like, I could have sworn it was something that was spoken out loud. And maybe I'm remembering you, some like Doc Alvogelli, reading what you wrote. So I apologize for that. Sorry. Good call to Lulabelle. Very good. Yeah, but well spied. Well yeah, spied. Totally. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, well, that's, and I mean, that's the episode. So. Now, I can stop talking for a minute, and we can we can now discuss all there is to discuss because there is a lot to talk about. Okay, this episode uh, is me. It is. Don't say it like that, Beefy. please. No, a lot of meat slathered in more meat. Meat, meat, meat. That was on a pizza box, and I was like, "Fuck this." <laughs> Uh, thank you for your input, Shia Satsunaka. Let's move on. So, <laughs> like right, in, I'll a, an introduction between meats. Get it? So it's meat with an A, meat with two E's, meat again with an S. It's like they are they're being introduced and joined together on the cheese delivery mechanism that is the pizza to enhance the experience. Yes, for you and for me. Meat. 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 Okay, so I'm officially vegan now. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Anyway, right. So, first talking. First talking. Yeah. Now, I'm going to throw out the caveat again that I, have, that I have to keep throwing out because I don't ever want to come across like I'm an authority on this because I inherently cannot be by my very nature. And that is to say, once again, as always, that I am Sisset and therefore that applies a certain limit on my, you know, understanding in the same way that, as I have said before, that I cannot pretend to understand what it would be like to be pregnant because it will never happen to me. So, with that said, 
let's talk about problematic media. I've seen a lot of discussion in the chat here, which has actually helped lead me to this point, which is that, you know, people have very varying opinions on Enter's behavior. Mm-hmm. And I think all those opinions are valid. I think it's a very your mileage may vary thing. But I remember reading a thread that I think I linked to you. Uh, this was even before we started watching Sarah Zamai by someone whose name will lose me at the moment. I apologize, I don't remember it. Um, sorry, apologies. This is why I get for drinking too much Diet Coke. You'd think I was sponsored by them or some shit. But point being, like, when it comes to writing about a given subject matter, and this can be anything at all, and I might have already made this point, but I'm just going to re-clarify in light of what we've said about Enter here. Like, no subject matter is taboo. There isn't a single subject matter out there that you cannot write about. It's a question of what you do with it. And similarly, on top of that, characters are allowed in fiction to be shitheads. They are allowed to fuck up royally, even if they are our protagonists, but sensibly. And as someone who admittedly has not really ever questioned his own sexuality growing up, like, I again have to do the outside looking in thing here kind of way, but I can imagine and I can understand that for people like Enter who are growing up, you know, and maybe he isn't gay, maybe he is straight and he's just not faded out, maybe he's bi, who can say? But for people who are figuring that out, like, you know, that I imagine is a lifelong journey, or at least it's a journey that takes a long time. And it's never going to be easy, it's never going to be clean, it's never going to be, you know, something that happens, you know, simply and easily. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he does things like, you know, he kisses Kazuki when he's out cold, or, you know, decides to fuck around with his stuff at the end when it's revealed in that flashback. I'm okay with that as a narrative element. Because yeah. I think I think it's a good thing for there to be media in which it will say, okay, look, if you're like Enter and you're not sure, you know, of yourself and who you are and your sexuality, maybe you have done some, you know, things in the service of trying to figure that out that have not been great or even good. Mm. That's not necessarily a, a thing that writes you off as a person. People are allowed to fuck up in the process of finding who they are. I've done that. I've done that innumerable times, you know. And I really appreciate that Sarah Zabai is not, you know, pussyfooting around this. You know, Enter's done some whack shit, to be honest. He's done some stupid shit. Yeah. Um, shit that he's not proud. Shit that he would never have admitted had the leak not happened. Which, by the way, put a pin in that because I'm coming back to that in a minute. So, in light of what I said before, like, you know, that post side link, so I was saying, like, you know, there can be written works on media about things like sexual abuse, child abuse, rape, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Because it's not a question of using them just from the race but it's also a question of giving people material which through they can process their own experiences. Yeah. So it's not even necessarily the case that Sarah Zamai, you know, someone who is, you know, of Enter's age, watching it and trying to process <clears throat> and understand their own sexuality is saying to them, you've done bad, but rather maybe don't do this, but maybe instead, you know, talk to people about it. Hmm. After all, isn't that what Saren Zamai is all about? Connecting? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't mind this all. I actually really appreciate for, uh, for as presented, but I am also going to stress is that it's a very much your mileage may vary thing. But I don't think that inherently there's a problem with him fucking And the funny thing is, Sulabel, I'm going to address your point about how he could solve all that a bit later. Uh, because, like, for him discussing all of these issues with Haruka, like, 
all the answers are there right in front of them to solve all of both their problems right now. Hmm. And neither of them take the step towards it, or rather specifically Enter does. Maybe because he's not confident in doing it, but I'll get to that in a bit when I get to my second talking. Yeah, so I, yeah. Uh... I like that they... I like that all the characters that we're getting that we're meant to root for have, you know, as Lucy White says, uh, to, to as a take on your line, they've all done whack shit. Like, they're all super flawed and have done things like that or or are still doing things right that like to varying degrees are mm-hmm. you know in some cases even like criminal uh you know but but that's okay i mean it like you don't always have to enjoy characters whose behavior you would endorse yeah and, just to follow on what emily said there where uh, she mentions um it's not meant to be implies societal pressure it might not even necessarily just i mean that could be a possibility but maybe it simply be that Kazuki, you know, could never reciprocate those feelings because he himself is straight, you know, or even if he was bi or gay, he would simply not be interested in uh, entering that way. Just because you, of course, have a sexuality that aligns with the person you're interested in doesn't make that right. It doesn't mean that they're going to, you know, you're going to be necessarily interested in them and have it reciprocated. It is the so, first time. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, you, you're about to say probably what I was about to say, but I think you might articulate better than me, so carry on. Oh, no, I was, um, I don't know. I was just going to say this is the first time the title has, um, you know, it always has, like Emily mentions in her piece this week, that's kind of uh, structure of I want to do X, but I don't, the, I don't want to do Y. And this is the first time that the negative part of the title, the thing that the, the, the negation is external to... Mm-hmm the protagonist or external to the utterer of the line. You know, it's always been like, I want to connect, but I also want to take, or I don't want to do this other thing where it's here. It is like, I want it, but it's out of my hands. Um, Mm -hmm. And because of external, whether it's, as you say, from Kazuki alone or from society or a combination of the two. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So there you go. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. That's pretty much all I, I've got to say on that particular point. But I would stress again that I would suggest that, you know, rather than take my words alone, that if you want to be better educated, go seek out, like, articles from, say, was it Jake Chapman? I, mm-hmm. I remember he's really sketches. Jake yeah. Chapman or other LGBT plus writers who are covering Sirens of my, they can give you probably a far better and far more intimate understanding of how this material plays out than I ever can. But even so, someone who this material will never... Not for as a bad thing, like you know, I just accept that's how it is. Mm-hmm. They will never necessarily be a hundred percent, you know, in my Venn diagram of relatability. Even I can appreciate that. I'm glad that this work exists for that reason of allowing people a lens through which they can process their own experiences. Um, yeah, that's that's really well said, by the way. Uh, gosh, I have I a have lot. Have moments. <laughs> you have, you have, you have many moments. <laughs> uh, one might say you just exist in a good moment. So, like, I got a lot of serious questions, but I just want to take a minute to, like, just say that there's, like, what appears to be a 36-inch flat-screen television inside Kepi's head. And how fucking mm-hmm. weird is that? <laughs> like, I did not expect him to be, like, yeah, exactly. Like, what? 
what kind of package is with that smart TV? You know, are you getting your Hulu's, your your private? <laughs> Does it come with the Crunchyroll subscription? I think this is an important question to get I to the bottom. I of. didn't realize that Kepi was basically Inspector Gadget, but hey, here we are. <laughs> Why is he a robot? Like, what the fuck? Why not? Why not? <laughs> I guess for a yokai, you can sort of transition back and forth from being. I'm a sort of ghosty, spirity type thing to like, I'm just a mech. <laughs> I just I just want to do the, I'm just waiting for someone to pop Kepi's head off and just like, all oh, lid rather, and start doing their laundry in there. <laughs> Even if you <laughs> shake him out, like what, like what could be in there? I mean, like, is it? Well, technically, I suppose he's a dishwasher. <laughs> uh... Why a TV? Why a television? Why not? Why uh, not? Okay. Um, so, I guess I'll start at the top of my paper and we can work my way down. I don't really know the best order to ask these in, so. <laughs> Shadon, like, why can't these boys... Why can't they voice their feelings? Particularly, okay, well, ask... particularly into and and Haruka and Kazuki like why why can't they voice their feelings do you think? well let well let me I know it's kind of rude to answer a question of a question but let's ask a question back who can it's like I've said before there's stuff that I will probably never confess to anyone that runs through my head uh there's st- stuff that you no doubt will not tell me in turn because it's entirely your right and your privacy but also because yeah. maybe there are things we do want to tell each other that necessarily we're not confident enough scared of the consequences to do so I mean okay. like their process like I have to say this I know this is going to sound like a strange tape but just roll me here the one with the least problems is actually Toy if you think about it well so, so we think like, <laughs> we'll, well see. so we think We're gonna, yeah. we'll get his character mm-hmm. specific episodes soon I suspect but if you think of it this way right like enter when I say problems by I don't mean negatives I'm just talking things they have to like work out quick like you know part of growing up because that's the thing we have to remember they are just children mm-hmm. um one thing i should stress by that's the way point. uh as part of this as well is that when we see enter's family we have his older sister who is you know she is cis and she's very confident of herself talking at the table like you know of like oh i maybe will kiss it'll be amazing oh my god mm-hmm. uh, and the only other person we see there is, I presume, to be Enter's grandmother, uh, who right. looks like she's possibly not alive and maybe has just been taxidermied. I don't know. Uh, but, well, it's like what I said. Believe, believe it or not, this will tie in a little bit to what I said about now, so in Persona 4, uh, when we did our cast on that way back, which, again, I was probably wildly ignorant about the reality of it. But, like, who is Enter going to speak to to help process his thoughts and feelings on this? He's not going to speak to Kazuki for obvious reasons. He's certainly not going to speak to Tai. Haruka is probably Haruka. the only person he can... But how do you tell an eight-year-old child, A, I'm interested in men, and B, the man I am interested in is your older brother? There are probably ways of communicating it <clears throat> without saying that specifically, maybe? Um, well, yes, but... Well then, Does look like okay. The kind of person capable of thinking that. Out? Right. Okay. Okay. Well, let's. 
shift focus from Inta then to Haruka and Kazuki? Like, why? Like, what's stopping? What's stopping Haruka from just instead of telling Inta, just telling his brother? I guess what I'm trying to say is like, do we think this is a show that is about? kids and how they communicate their feelings or don't communicate them uh and how they relate to each other in a in a conventional sort of way like any other show could show these these two brothers that one of them wants the other one to do something or these two kids and one likes the other but there's not a reciprocation or do we think that there is more going on with this show in terms of not being able to express your desires. Cause I tend to think that there's more to it. I mean, what you're saying is true, but like all the trappings of the show being about desire and sucking it out and directing it, uh, in certain ways and stealing it. And like, there's, I feel like that there's what you're saying is right. I mean, it's difficult to express ourselves, of course, but, like, I feel like that there's more to it, but I'm not quite exactly sure yet if I can articulate what it is. Well, I think that firstly, it's not just about kids necessarily. I mean, the, the characters are children. But I think that, you know, a lot of experiences the characters have, uh, those, those kids can have, can be quite relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for me, like, you know, enters, you know, fantasizing like i've done that i'll confess uh not in the, the same sense that he has i've like you know imagined like myself winning tournaments in guilty gear that i would never win in real life never but i let him roll in my head because it's nice to think about we like to escape mm-hmm. you know escapism is not necessarily a bad thing no unless you end up unless you end up tying a misanga to your sister's ankle back <laughs> right yes kissing yeah. a, a kepi on the mouth yeah exactly exactly I think the thing that I would use to describe it is inertia. When we get comfortable with our status quos, it can be very, very difficult to get out, to change that, change our relationships, you know, to refocus or reshift things. I mean, speaking like about Enter and Kazuki for a second, like, mm-hmm. even if they don't end up hooking up or whatever, it's good and healthy, I would argue, although not easy, for all the cards to be on the table. For you know him to be honest about it. Say, look, this is how it is. It's, in fact, there's your Frank's reference, the one good shining character moment when was it Goro was it? I can't remember his fucking name. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when he when he confessed Goro. about Ichigo, mm-hmm. said, Look, just pride out there. I want us to, you know, have a clean and clear understanding of each other. Then he hooks up anyway because the show decides that, you know, the good moments he has can just get pissed away like so much, you know. Ah, fuck, anyway. Yeah. But you get my point. Yeah. You get my point. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think, I... Yeah, inertia is the word I would use for it. Mm-hmm. I just think, so we talked before about, like, we saw the commodification of desire mm-hmm. and in turn, like, the expression of that desire. Like, I, I think, you know we need to think about that consistently like across the board like 
is that affecting how do I say this um so it's someone's job in the world of Shadows of Might. It's the Empire's job and the Otter Cop's job to continue directing people's desires mm-hmm. towards a certain entity or a conglomerate, an empire, whatever. Um, does a process like that sort of continued over time change the nature of our desires like change how we express them uh change how we think it is legitimate to express them um i think the empire could be you argue like it could be like affecting these kids and what they feel like they should be doing or or even it's possible to do or what the right things are to do you know, if if you live under this mm, huge umbrella, I mean, yeah, of of a thing always kind of directing your your desire. Like I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just asking the question, right? It's like, do you think? Does anyone think that's the case? And do you think it's like analogous to anything in? The, I mean, is there some kind of entity or group of entities in the real world that's like? We want all the desires directed to us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, Instagram, right? <laughs> and so, and that, and that, like, in turn, us being on Instagram or us buying things from Amazon or whatever well, can like well. direct <laughs> what the the like the modes mm-hmm. of expression for our desire that we feel like are legitimate and that we feel like we want to practice. I've just had four. <laughs> that's pretty great. That that's pretty great. That's good. Well, well done, Lucy. You are you are winning chat. Absolutely. I've just had a thought. Fanwang theory. What if it turns out the leader of the empire is Azuma Sarah? I mean, she's the one promoting it... all of that stuff. That's get people. You know, all yeah. this surface level. You know, selfie related nonsense. She's got a fairly yeah. constant presence across all media. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't mm-hmm. shock me. Man, that would be quite something. Azuma Sarah defeated by her fake imitation. <laughs> okay. Just just saying. Just saying. Well, there's the thing, Slither Bell. Kepi is a capper as well, and he's taking desire. So clearly another capper might also want desire in turn. So this it's, it's it's come up organically, so I'll just ask my next question. I don't mean to cut in line here, Shadon. Mm, mm, mm. <clears throat> so, like, this could just be me being a bit thick-headed. But, like, can you, Shadon, or someone in chat lay out some kind of flowchart or diagram in terms of, like... Of the desire here, because the desires are supposed to be going to the Empire, but they are assimilated by Kepi. Where are they going now? Where do they live? By Kepi. Yeah, like what's happening? And like, maybe they're being turned into the dishes. 
Hmm. Okay. I, I, this thing about this question, Doc, is first, we don't even know what the Empire is doing with the Desire prior to this. Because, you know, Kepi's arrival on the scene clearly came after the Autocops started doing stuff. So I think this is one of those where we're just going to need more time to let a couple more details unfold before we can start coming safe in concrete. But that is the best guess I have, that it could just be that when he, you know, you change the desire of one person into the means to give the desire or to see through the desire of someone else. Complete guesswork. Complete guesswork there. I could be completely off base as I've known to be in the past. But that's the best guess I've got. And so is taking the desire what Rayo and Mabu are doing with the gun? That's well, the f- that's killing people? Well, it's certainly... Well, if I had to guess... Um, I... We're making them zombies, we'll say. Making them all mm. a homogenous group of zombies. Yeah. Well, again, we don't have much info because we didn't get to see what the process would have, the end process that would have been had. There'd been no intervention by the uh, by the Kappa kids. So, I pass, pass. Couldn't tell you. Hmm. Okay. I think it, I think it's just something we're gonna have to need get some more time on to figure out some more details. Okay. Yeah, they're. Oh, both... it's like I, it's, oh, it's like I said in chat. It's Phil's fault again. It's always fucking Phil. I mean, you can't get away from it. You can't get... He's... Phil is in all universes. It's like that theory based on, um... Fucking, uh... God damn it, what is it called? Saying Elsewhere. Do you know of this theory? Like, the fan theory um, about all the universes, all television is in the same universe? Is this... Is this isn't this some Joseph Campbell shit? <laughs> no! No, it's like what I forget what they call it. There's a name for it based on like the person that did. But like, so Saint Elsewhere was this like TV show, uh, American TV show from several decades ago about a sort of like a medical drama type deal before ER. It's older than that, um, more soap opera-y, I think. But um, in the end, it was very much like Dallas, where like. It turns out that everything that took place in this show was the dream one of the patients were having. But, crucially, crucially, there are a million cameos in this show of actors playing not just themselves, but the, the characters that they played in other television shows. So, like, the theory is that, like, those TV shows are in this kid's head, and so you can start doing the six degrees of separation if, you know, Munch from Law and & Order uh, and Homicide Life on the Street was Munch in that show, like, then any character from Law & Order who played that character in another TV show, that TV show is absorbed into the dream, and apparently it fans out to touch all of TV and, like, it it goes like even like characters that Simpsons do in, in an imitation of like all these different things are absorbed into this giant reality. <laughs> like it's oh, so man. dumb and great. Is um, the fiction is the uh, meta media Big Bang? Yes, this great. one kid insane elsewhere dreaming. Anyway, that's a fucking weird ass tangent that I did. Anyway, 
<laughs> it's all good, man. All right. Uh, so it's over to me now, I believe. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's talk about living vicariously. Now, I'm going to speak very personally. I'm going to let some stuff off my chest. So apologies if it gets a little heavy here. But there's a reason <clears throat> I emphasize events quite a lot in this. Because <clears throat> I have been, while not in terms of orientation, I have been in a similar scenario to him where <clears throat> I, um, you know, I felt like I got fuck all, basically, relative to my family members. I mean, you, as an enter, like, you know, say you're enter, you're just there, you know, you've had an embarrassing incident in which, you know, you're a bit confused about your sexuality, trying to figure something out, and you got your sister coming in going like, well, I'm going out with my boyfriend. How might that make you feel about her? You might feel a little resentment, perhaps. Natural, you know, a little, little jealousy, a little envy. See where I'm going here? Mm-hmm. Things I things I fell. I'll confess that. Mm. I mean, I've had many I've had many family meals where I've been the only one sat around the table without a partner, and that's uh, that's something that has weighed on. Ouch. So mm. yeah, it is what it is. Anyway, like yeah. I say, I'm I'm in therapy, so I'm getting that shit sorted. Don't worry, folks. Uh, I do accept checks or you know cash. So if you want to send me that as monetary, you know, present, you know, make me feel better. Anyway, jokes aside. So now here's the thing, bro. Also consider Haruka. Now you said before that you believe that there was an accident that's not been yet displayed in full view, and instead we've had the sign that fell on him that's uh, the replacement for that, mm-hmm. and that's what caused Haruka to lose his ability to walk. This is where my alternate theory comes in. Okay, why does Haruka want enter? No, sorry, uh, Kazuki to play soccer so much. Here's my theory. Hmm. My theory hmm. is, I think that Haruka instead has probably not had the use of his legs for a very long time, if not from birth. That's a really good point. And see, and seeing his brother being able to play is his way of vicariously living that. I can't yeah. do that. Yeah. I can't join. But I can see my brother doing it. So, in both Haruka and Ensa's cases, and this is why these two are so simpatico with each other, why they're talking this stuff out, because even though they don't say it out loud, they do have this similar element. There are people in their families who can perform and do what they cannot. Now, again, I'm reading into this because there's no because this is not something that's been explicitly stated. Right. I think there's a I think there's a reasonable link there. Mm-hmm. Um something I'll mention as well, um, with regards to Enter. So people have been saying that he's a bad person, he's done bad things. And here's the thing, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I want to point something out here that I think goes a little under the radar. This whole thing of the kids becoming cappers, it has a breadcrumb trail, it has a sweetener incentive, which is the dishes. That's clear as crystal to me. Yeah. What's the what's the first thing out of Enter's mouth the moment he realizes his sister is in mortal danger in the field of desire? Uh, make me, make uh, me a kappa. Make me yeah. a kappa. Yeah. yeah. That's it. First thing he does, he gets turned into a kappa. Now, here's the other thing. This episode does something slightly differently with the kappa transformations because previously, Kazuki was the one who led all the previous time. It's Enter doing the musical number, after all, and Kazuki and Tai's backup. So I don't know if there's an explicit rule here that first person goes, becomes the lead on this, and subsequently then becomes the person who leaks. Hmm. Think of it this way. 
I don't know if Enter knew this or not, if you thought about it. Maybe the show might have benefited from spelling this out in his in a monologue, perhaps. Who can say? But bear in mind, now having done it twice and having seen the fact that you know secrets can like of a very embarrassing and deep nature can be given out through this, Enter was willing to put his own dignity on the line to save his sister without even considering that a second thought about it. So it's not quite as simple as saying he's a bad person. I think he's just, a, you know, done some stupid shit, but ultimately his inner good nature shows that he was willing to go go so far as to yeah. save his sister's life at the very real risk of having all this sordid shit spill out in full view of Kazuki and Toy, which actually does happen. We are very quick to label these characters good or bad people based on a very limited kind of... Uh, sample size of their behaviors and we should probably be a little bit more cautious and i don't think it's a reasonable and and there's like people that are just nobody's gonna be it sounds like a cop-out to say nobody's perfect i mean like you were talking about earlier like especially when you're a kid you're gonna do some really fucking dumb shit Mm -hmm. and i think it's possible to do some really bad shit Mm-hmm. And be still good and be redeemed from that and see, oh, I really fucked up. Like, I should not do this anymore. Mm. Um, exactly. Yeah. So, basically, with these two characters, like, you could read into it a little bit and say there's an element of vicarious living here. I don't get why I want, but at least my family members. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's good to be happy for your family. Absolutely. Um, but... I think that, you know, at least in Enter's case, because we get a very concrete example of that here, like, he's not willing to let his sister suffer, like, just because he's got his own problems. He jumps right into the line of fire in probably one of the most embarrassing ways imaginable. And Yeah, it's a really good point. Yeah, and as for Haruka, like, there isn't much on him yet, but I have a feeling... I'm going to make another prediction here. Haruka is going to turn into one of the Kappa zombies later. But oh wow! Then, but Fuck. then bear in mind, but then bear in mind what happens if they subsequently, you know, do anything about that. He'll get raised. That'll be that'll be some dramatic shit, right? No, there. that can't happen. No, it won't. It won't. It won't. That won't, it won't. That cannot happen. Please no, do not wish that into existence. No, I, I will not. I will. Um. But one final thing about Enter and Haruk as well is like, I said before that the answer lies right before them. In the conversations they have early in the episode, Haruka lets on that, you know, Azuma Sarah has been texting him directly. It's the parasocial relationship made two way. Mm -hmm. Enter knows from having seen the leaks of the previous two episodes, that's Kazuki doing that. Now, I'm not saying he should tell Enter. Uh, Haruka the truth that's no no but he doesn't put two and two together here and say and recognize wait a minute Kazuki's doing all of this stuff by dressing as Azuma Sara to help his brother which I think is actually Kazuki's own response to and you know uh, Haruka not being able to walk like he's doing what he can to please him like you know it it, he's going out of his way to do that but the answer's right in front just play football just play football simple as that or fucking and like yeah spend some time with him 
you know. If if he had literally, if Enter had literally just said to Kazuki at any point, you know this whole dressing thing, this whole cross-dress thing that you're doing with the idol? You don't need to do that. If you want to make your brother happy, you just play football. I can guarantee you at the drop of a hat that Kazuki would never put that stuff on again and he would just play football. The answer for to solve both their problems is right there. Yeah. And that's such and that, a shame. Yeah, I know. I know. And why does he think he has to do that? As opposed to, you know, why does he think he has to to create the this world of illusion? Like, why does he... That That is through using an app and texting to them. Why does he think he needs to steal a cat? You know, why does he not just talk to his brother? Because, like, now he sort of ignores now... him, by mm. and large. You know, in the morning, last episode, he was just sort of like, yeah, hey, what, yeah, I don't, whatever, whatever. Yes, he's texting Sarah. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I'm gone. I'm going to leave. Bye now. Like, mm. and Inta is spending all the time with him. You know, mm. there's it, something well, maybe... has really poisoned his kind of way of thinking about all this. Well, here's the thing. It's one of those things I think possibly self-perpetuates in Kazuki's case. Think of it this way, right? Does it the once. And he thinks, oh, he won't buy it. He'll see and send something's off. But then, imagine this. It goes well. Like, Araka's so overwhelmed by this, this idol with paying specific attention to him. Then Kazuki goes home, normal clothes, gets in, dinner table. Zuma Sarah texted me and it's the most amazing thing ever. Mm-hmm. And obviously he's thinking about that. And he does it again and again. And then there's your tragic element. I can't compare to that. I'm just his fucking brother. I'm no idol. I'm no one special. How could I possibly get on that level by literally doing that? By becoming that person? So fuck off, man. It's like the the parents who are, like, posting, like, these lengthy uh, talks or captions to pictures of their kids on Facebook while, like, their kids are, like, in the room, like, Mm -hmm. Mom, Dad, like play ball with me, you know, make, you know, give me some food, watch a movie with me. And they're like, just a minute. I'm like posting about how we are like a great family and we have this super connection. That's like mm. sort of what's happening with, with well, Kazuki and one, Harukapa. One final thing, actually, because Lucy is just actually led into one of the final things I was going to say about this, um, in which he seems a lot less naive than he initially appeared. Now, again, reading into this and, Emily Rand, shout out to you if you're listening. You've actually read the thing I'm about to reference here, and I did promise you once I would read it. I didn't get around to it because I'm an awful, stupid human being, and I will fix that at some point by reading the book. That's going to take a little longer, I'm sorry. Uh, in the closing scene of this episode, Haruka says, <clears throat> you know, I had a dream where I was flying, you know, on the back of Nyantaro, and I met the Lissel Prince. Mm-hmm. Who is the Little Prince? Now, I haven't read the actual book. It is a book. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most famous French children books ever. Apologies to people if you already know this. I'm just staying this for the record. Spoilers I'm going for by very old children's book. <laughs> yeah. I'm going by what I read on Wikipedia, which is a des- which is just a stupid idea anyway, but I thought I need a quick reference. So The Little Prince is a story involving the titular Little Prince, but it's actually narrated by a pilot who meets him uh, in this, like, desert area and again 
Emily, if you're listening, please chip in and point out if I'm wrong here. But um, the idea of the Little Prince from what I read on the summary of Wikipedia was that the Little Prince is like childhood innocence and sincerity versus, you know, adults having no imagination, no creativity, no energy, no verve, etc. Um, but here's the thing. In that dream, Haruka doesn't identify himself as the Little Prince. He mm-hmm. identifies himself as someone who meets him, i.e. the narrator, i.e. the adult. And I think that's a tacit admission through that dream that he feels he's passed beyond being a child and now probably realizes the gravity of his situation. That's a big read. It's a big leap. And again, I'm working off very limited understanding of the actual book here. But that might be what they're going for. It's a very specific reference to put in a dream like that, or rather in a in a yeah you know uh, totally. scene. So there's got to be meaning in there that uh, Ikuhara or the writers intended. Mm-hmm. And no doubt Emily could probably do an infinitely better job than I could in deciphering and decoding what that might mean. But that's my hot take on it anyway. He really loves fairy tales and children's books. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, I'm d- I've I finished like rambling off now, but yeah, there's a very good reason this episode has Edsa and Haruka spend so much time together because context may differ, but situations otherwise exactly the same. They are in the same room. Into has a very good imagination, by the way. <laughs> He's quite the dreamer. <laughs> uh, so maybe maybe there's still some childlikeness about him yeah. uh, that remains. So, um, the next, let's see, I only have a couple things more. Um, did you notice, like, I thought this was cool, I only noticed noticed this on the second watch, that, so, in every, um, daydream Enta had, he and Kazuki were doing the golden duo pose, but they did it for real when they were Kappas! You you know, that, again, just reinforces another point I want to make. For all the fact that they can't talk to each other about the crazy shit that, like, is going on inside their heads and the things they have to deal with, look at what they get up to. I know. Look at what they do. That's, like, the core, like, you know, contradiction slash distance mm. this whole thing. Like, yeah. how do you literally say to someone, oh, yeah, I got turned into a capper and I pulled a giant shiny gem out of someone's ass and it gave me the ability to grant any wish I wanted... <laughs> Oh yeah! By the way, our sins were covered by being East alive. Um, that's a that's certainly the thing that you don't want to put on a Twitter post or a Facebook update. Smash that like button. <laughs> but I thought it was so great. Like Rio and Mabu dislike this. <laughs> Thumbs down, down vote. Fucking <laughs> when the boys were spinning around and then they have gotten over the top of the fish, the Kisu zombie, and they mm-hmm. land. Toy lands on, like, his feet, or, like, lands on, like, one knee, a la, like, ninja samurai guy. The Enta and Kazuki fall down, and when they get up, they say, like this. And they do the the golden duo pose. And I was just like, fuck yes! Like, <laughs> it's still, it's in the sub their subconscious. Like, yeah. uh, and they were connected again as Kaffa, and then they do it. It was so great. Um... Other questions, let's see. Uh, okay. So, the, uh, Ryu and Mabu, when they say, oh, foolish humans, uh, what is the quote I've written down? For they're fools for clinging to brittle, these brittle connections. Um, if we are fools to cling to brittle connections, uh, 
do you think that there are stronger connections that they think we should be clinging to? Or are they saying that all connections are brittle and stupid? And Well, if I had yeah. to read anything into this... Okay. Um, by the way, one point I forgot to mention before that I really should have done. Like, it's interesting again to note how we've got Enter, our protagonist, whose sexuality is like very, you know, uncertain to him. He's very nervous and he does stupid shit as a result of it. He's working things out. Autocops, though. <laughs> Autocops are like, yeah, we know what the we, fuck know. We, <laughs> we know. We know what we're about. Yeah, yeah. We know. We know, and that's been noted that you know our villains are very certain of themselves. Um, but that in itself doesn't make them bad. But like the fact, the message be that you know if you're that flagrant, well not flagrantly, sorry, wrong choice of word. If you're that openly and confidently assured of your sexuality, that's a bad thing. Is their villain? Right. That's not a tie there. I think it's just the case that you know, in, you know, for these two here, that they do. That's just what they are, and then their villainy is a side thing. By the way, something I forgot to mention: OP. In the OP, we get to see each character's objects or points of desire, what they focus on. Kazuki's, of course, is his younger brother. Uh, Enter is Kazuki. Toy is his older brother. And I will probably get the names wrong way around here, but Ryo, or Ryo, or how you pronounce it, Tsumabu. Mm -hmm. I don't know which way it is. I apologize for getting it wrong. So yeah, again, nice foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. um, but let's go back to the Oscar dance. When he pulls out that heart, mm -hmm. like it's Temple of Doom. <laughs> the heart is made of clockwork, as has been noted. So maybe, maybe the thing that the otters are getting at, that what they want, is something that's mechanical, something that's understandable, something that has clearly defined input and output, rather than the messy, lurid nonsense, you know, that we get elsewhere, where people can react, you know, completely differently. Because if you can maybe mechanize, if you can mechanize desire, you can monetize it. If you can predict it, well, that's also well. Consider also the amount of mechanized equipments in their dance scene, mm -hmm. all the steam mm -hmm. pipes and what yes. measurement dials. Maybe this is what it is. Maybe it's a question of you know having a clear like I put something in and I get something out and I know exactly what that is. There's no ambiguity. There's no fear, no worry. And indeed, that actually now that I'm more to think about it, maybe that contrasts in turn with our characters who have no idea how the people they care about would react if they told them the truth. And that's what's holding them back, because they can't be sure of the output. Yeah. Here's my mic. Boom! <laughs> I could be talking out my ass, to yeah. be fair, on this. I mean, smart people and me will know, but... That I know, I like all this. This is really... This things to think about, you know? I mean, what... I, I wonder why we're admonished for clinging to connections. It, again, if it's if there's a connection that you know, if we, if we are just making bad ones and there's stronger ones we should be doing and cling to those, or if clinging to connections as such is a bad idea, um, and maybe maybe it's not necessarily that, but more it's the question of being safe, playing it safe. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. fine to have a connection yeah. if you totally yeah. understand. Mm. That's you know, if you totally understand, yeah. Uh, as opposed to taking risks, but well, like in all gambling, if you play it safe, you won't get the you won't reap the highest rewards from. You know. Yeah. Um, okay. So so Emily, uh, Go Go Atomic Ooh. Robot in chat uh, is saying, I don't think their gayness is a way of showing evilness. I'm watching Robohachi, and there's a gay villain who keeps saying. 
he's literally after the main character's body and <laughs> picking his lips mm. about it. Um, yeah. To to piggyback <laughs> off what you were saying, I, I think I mentioned this in episode one. Like, if you isolate an Iku show, it's understandable, but the sort of that type of villain is every ikuhara villain is the problem (laughs) is like a Mm. you know a a very kind of tall lean confident gay man well (laughs) it's the bad guy you know what this has just made me think of and again possibly a bad comparison here do you know who the art of cops remind me of at least conceptually who disney villains i'm dead serious because a lot of disney villains villains uh, the villains the villains, yes. Yep, opening well, for... And have a certain yep. amount of queer coding to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. This was something that Lindsay Ellis did in her video on Disney villains and also discussions of various properties. Uh, I don't remember who the villain is from Poe Contest, for example, but he's got his, like, well, see how I glitter You're right. moment. Right. He's, got, he's got that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's... Gaston... <laughs> From Beauty and no, the one's a dick like Gaston, a massive wank like Gaston. No um, one. Uh... Well, Gaston, Gaston's an interesting exception because he's the actually the uh, the Urman, you know, the the Ubermensch. He's like right toxic masculinity taken to its absolute extreme. <laughs> he is the golden one. Oh, put on, <laughs> put on film, put on paper. Uh, well, to answer your question, Emily, in the case of Pogahontas, I know for a fact that the villain of that was definitely European, because that's the actual context of the film. They're the settler, they, you know, they're the first settlers coming over from England. It's so Lindsay's contention is that he's queer coded via uh-huh. that, right? Yeah, I haven't seen the video, but it's in- it's an interesting. Yeah, go idea. go 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 watch all of Lindsay's stuff. Like she's a really good. Forever, she's a really because it's good shit. It's inspirational shit. Like that's the kind of content that I would want to make ultimately. She's a really good essayist. Very worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, one final... Oh, oh, oh one oh, thing about oh. the art cops. When are we getting a Naked Gun-style film starring them? Tomorrow, hopefully. You, you, you know <laughs> that they would... I mean, there's that scene in one of the Naked Gun films where Leslie Nielsen and his love interest are both in giant condoms. I'm just like, that's the art cops. <laughs> that's it. I could tell... Like, Swan draw me fan art of them doing the scene where they're, like, molding clay into ashtrays. But it's just the auto cops instead. You know I'm right. You know they'd have a shootout where they're they two feet away from each other and they can't even hit it. Oh, you yes. know there would be that, that nice beaver line. You know that nice beaver line's there. I'm just saying. It's an interesting by Lucy that there must have been something that happened to turn them from wholesome gay cop dads to evil gay otters. The fucking empire, man. It gets to all of us Ooh. eventually. It's utterly reprehensible, I tell you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> okay. Come on, they do it in the episode. Uh... I was after doing it before this episode was out. Don't judge me. Um. So one thing I have in my notes, and tell me if you think we've covered this ground already, mm-hmm. is so Kazuki's relationship with his little brother Haruka and Enta and kind of what he wants from Kazuki. Think about those two things. Mm-hmm. And do you think I think it's worth noting the differences in 
the nature of their desires. Like, not necessarily just to predict, like, where Toy will land uh, <coughs> or anything like that, but I just think it's interesting. Like, what are what's the nature of their desire? Like, what are they like? And what do they lack? You know what I mean? Like, are, are there differences from each other? Like, one one has something that the other lacks or vice versa. Um, am I making sense? Um, so, so uh, sorry, which direction is this going? Like from K- is Kazuki's desire towards what he wants for his brother or yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, well, yeah, just, well, well, the two, the kind of the, the two main ones, right? Like, um, Kazuki, f- uh, for what he wants for his brother, uh, and the desire going from Kazuki to Haruka, and then the desire, on the other hand, going from Inta to Kazuki. Like, mm-hmm. they seem, like, we're both, you know, we're calling them desires, right? But, like, they seem, like, it's just interesting to me how they're different. Mm. Well, <clears throat> look, I think Kazuki's desire towards his younger brother... And I mean not in the <clears throat> obvious sense different. Like, no, oh, oh no, like, I'm... one, you know, is gay for the dude, and the other say, loves I, I the I brother. Really like... I was yeah. going to say, I really hope Kazuki's not gay for his younger brother. That would no. be pr- incredibly problematic. No. Uh, um, anyway, so... Um, I think that really... Um, as a side tangent here, like... Let's take the dishes and the fact that Grant wishes. Like, what is... What is um, Kazuki said thus far that he wants the dish to do for his younger brother, if he had it? Now, it's obviously not what it really should be, because we'd otherwise have had the surprise spoil before now. Mm-hmm. But clearly, what he should be wanting the dish for is to allow his brother to walk again. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. But here's the thing, right? Now, this in some way is kind of like character death. In that... And also the idea, like, you know, of, of wish-granting in fiction, which is that sometimes we're better off making our own miracles, are our own wishes right. come true for our own actions. Which Kazuki is technically doing, he's just going about it in a very, very, very indirect manner as opposed to simply playing football. Or just fucking talking to his brother. You know. Mm-hmm. Words are cheap. So, I think that, you know, maybe what they ultimately will happen is that, you know, even if it does occur so we could let his brother to walk in, maybe what he should be doing instead, rather than waiting for Kepi to crap out another gold dish. Uh, by the way, we're definitely not going to have that, all the dishes come out before this season ends, because bear in mind, five silver for one wish. We've got ten <laughs> yeah. episodes. The math is not in favour of this. No. So I'm thinking that maybe, you know, the idea is that it's better instead that rather than wait for this mythological being to give him the means to, you know, let his brother walk in, that he just simply becomes a brother to him, rather than this distant figure. You know? That will be good. I mean, I'm fairly confident that's probably what Haruka's desire actually is towards his brother, to actually have a brother. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as his desire goes at the moment, like I think it's just to... I think his desire is to, you know, connect with his brother and do right by him and make him happy, given his situation. But he has no understanding of, like, the best way for, for that to happen that's good for both of them. Mm-hmm. I'm not just talking the fact that he doesn't need to dress up there, I'm talking the fact that it will be beneficial for him. You know? He would make him happy, I imagine, to see his brother smiling and watching him play football. As for Enter, 
I think that, again, I'm speaking as someone who's never gone through this experience myself. So take this with the gigantic pinch of salt that it should come with. Like, I think that for me, it's something that he's grown up with and he's, because he's been that close to Kazuki that as his sexuality card, like these things have kind of come together and aligned together. Like, you know, how I meant, I'm really close to my friend. Smoosh those together, put in a blender, you get the idea. So I think that what, I think Enter's desire towards um, Kazuki is, you know, to be that, to find that kind of special relationship, like to be that close to him. But I don't think he understands the terms under which that would happen. Like, he wants to be that close to him, but like, what happens then? How does that progress? He sees, you know, he sees it as the end of a journey rather than, you know, something that continues onwards if he were to get that. And so I think that, you know, that for him, like, what will happen in reality is that he'll learn that, okay, these things are separate. You know, I am gay, but I will move on from Kazuki. We'll still be friends. We'll still be close friends. I won't feel like that that strongly about him anymore because it's just the thing that got me started, the thing that got me going. Again, could be completely speaking out to him here, so please don't take that as gospel. Yeah. Uh, I hope that in turn makes sense to you there, Doc. I was not quite sure how best to answer that question. Mm-hmm. No, like, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, it does make sense. Uh, very much so. And I think you were thinking about, like, like very root-level Kazuki desire and what we hope is at the bottom of his like good heart like uh, when all the bu- bullshit is cleared away because all we see right now is a desire to like post these pictures right um mm. and that's a very active desire whereas uh Entes is way more passive he's like waiting for his affection to be returned and also and Emily Rand points this out uh in her uh entry this week it's also a desire to not just have his today's affection return but to like go back and recapture old times mm-hmm. like uh old like that the old feelings right of being the golden duo how things were like that mm-hmm. was like the shining moment in his life he wants to get it yeah. get it back um very true and but he's got to wait on other people to make this happen. And and I think, you know, in talking about the differences in episode titles and kind of what the desires, what the, the feelings of each character <clears throat> lacks, um, you know, Inta lacks the ability to fulfill his own desire with his own action because it's dependent on other people. And mm-hmm. this is where my sympathies again feel very strong with him because mm-hmm. this is something I've been discussing with therapists, like where you know I get so fucking furious that you know I do my bit, I don't get Jack Shea return, at least as I perceive it, not necessarily mm-hmm. that's true. So, like I say, even as a cishet guy, you know, who ultimately can't fully have the Venn diagram of relatability here, I'm still totally in with this because I have felt that so mm-hmm. strong. Mm-hmm. And Kazuki, like, wants to fulfill, you know, his, his again, more active, uh, 
he wants to connect with his brother in this way through social and through this kind of fake life. Um, Mm -hmm. And he wants to do it through taking from other people also. You know, I want to connect, but I want to take. Um, Other people's lives being diminished in some way doesn't matter as much to him as long as he can continue whatever it is he's doing with Haruka, uh, it, it would seem. And I just think it's an I was interesting just saying, where contrast. has that been displayed? Where was he taken from other people to do well, that? Well, he took, he took the kitty. He stole someone's cat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah sure. <laughs> and um, made it the neighborhood cat just for, you know, the, just yeah. for his bro. Um, yeah, you, you're entirely correct. Sorry, I don't know why I forgot about that, but... Well, then again, you know, I never was the biggest fan of Garfield, so maybe it's, <laughs> it's easy to put Nyan, sorry, but that's Nyan my head out of mind. Yeah, that's my that's my head cap. Um, uh, the only time the only time that it's not Garfield is when he says it's in the dream, in which case it's Cat was from my neighbor Toro. Yes, because of course it is. You don't ride on top of a bus and have it be a, 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 on top of a cat and have it not be Cat bus. Never. That would be ridiculous. Studio Ghibli has ruined that for everyone forever. Damn you. There's no, there are no other cat buses. This we've closed the book on possible cat buses. No more iterations of la cat de bus. Um, so the last thing I have in my notes is probably the most like tangential from the content of the episode itself, or or at least not the if not the content, like the kind of meaning of like what the show is really driving at Mm -hmm. um and that is the significance of a place uh i really like when media does this you know we talked about just a moment ago into longing for old times for for the way things once were um Mm -hmm. because that's when he felt the most alive and we're kind of led to that notion in this episode by him going to the old practice spot between, you know, mm-hmm. where Kazuki and he would practice their golden duo stuff. And we see them painting it, and we see them practicing there. We see Inta in the present day being there, able to to think yeah. and feel even, and live. He even vocalizes in a very mature way, like um, he says that if I were to leave this place or not, or concede it as belonging to someone else, I mean... He can say what he wants, but that is a public spot. It doesn't legally belong to him. But of course, it has emotional value to him. And if you know, it's not to be not property, but it still has that kind of weight to it. And he does rightly say, uh, and again, I thought this was very mature for him. He said, "If I let this go, if I give this up, then mm-hmm. that's me accepting that you know I'm leaving my Kazaki go in turn because it's they're intertwined." Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and. Of course, you have Toy there, who's very much a pragmatist, very much it seems to be taking a scientific view of things, right? A very um, empirical view, like, this is just, you know, this space of concrete. That's all it is. Um, it's just a drawing on the wall. Uh, Kazuki's quit, like quantifiably observably there's nothing special about this place and yet it is a very special place that is able to really affect people able to just by going there kind of 
help or maybe hurt uh, people's inner lives uh, and their lives in Toto. So I think, I mean, I just enjoy when, whenever in media you see, as you said, things that have emotional value or that things that are like places that have a, a real, a subjectively real importance. Like you can't, I don't think, say that that's not real for Inta, even though there's nothing mm-hmm. measurable and quantifiable about that place. Legally, as you say, it's just a lot that anyone can use. But lines really, but in you know, in this immeasurable way, like by kind of this other dimension to our lives that we have as humans, that place isn't just a place. It isn't just its measurements and its you know height, width, whatever, its composition of material elements. Like it is a place of significance. It's a sacred place of memory and you know cherished life that has gone on between these two boys and is special and is significant. And look, I'm all about that because yeah, I, it's just, I always enjoy seeing this in, in media, like the physical and kind of the emotional, like, or, or sacred or spiritual or whatever term you want to use, like yeah, coming together that, in a place. Could that in turn be this show just going, continuing and building on the idea of commodifying uh, desire and relationship and connection, so that it has to be tied to a location. Much in the, it's a physical object and body, much in the same as any of the stuff that we've seen before, such as the misangas. Right. So your contention will be that it's a bad thing because of that. well, or that I don't the... think it's as easy to say as that because after all, uh, and to get to new misanga or rather the old one that's new again, mm-hmm. that inspires it to give another try. Mm-hmm. It's not as simple as you know. It's when it's soulless, the commodification. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not as, you know, binary as this good, this bad. Right. I don't know where that accent came from. I apologize okay. profusely. <laughs> that your moral arbiter is like a like an Eastern European. Um, well, you know. And that's it. That's all I got. It's a good. Yeah, I'm good as well. I'm 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 good for this episode. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, like, I mean, on top of all everything we discussed, like, it was still fun. Like, even when the show's dealing its heavy hands, you know, with all the things like, I mean, learning that Haruka, like, you know, at the end, this sweet little kid is wheelchair bound. That's that's sad. That's grim. That's awful. Yeah. But yeah. it never loses its vibrancy. It never loses its energy or its verve. If I had any criticism to make, I suppose it would be that, like, you cannot mention before. They're starting to recycle the animation a lot hmm. uh, for both the Arcops dance and in turn the actual fights. And the fights themselves are not proving them to be so, so interesting visually yeah. week on week. Like, you know. Yeah. But yeah. but we are only three episodes in and things could change. Um, you know, I don't I mean, think that they will I, with the fights. Well, not maybe not entirely, but like little elements here and there. And hey, you know what? I I love Thunderbirds as a kid, and that show was ninety percent stock footage week on week. So I suppose I should be bitching, really. But you get my point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, another fine outing for Saren's my really enjoyable. Um, good shit, good shit, Ikara. Very good shit. Uh, how would you rate it? Ooh, now I've got to think of something funny to rate us. Well, <laughs> um, 
for all the reasons I've stated, just the fact that again it still remains its sense oh, sorry, still retains its sense of form and sense of energy. Uh, I will give episode three of Saren's Am I. Uh, I will give it four point five never to be seen fish boyfriends again. Very good. The uh, one that, in fact, can yeah. I just point out how appropriate is it, by the way, for Enter's older sister to be fishing and that one got away? Oh, that's good. That hadn't occurred to me. That's very good. Yeah, he was the fish boyfriend after all, and he just broke the line. In this episode, probably, the, probably the best. <laughs> the the brightly colored episode about fishing definitely made me want to watch Suditama again, which is a very brightly colored anime that is all about fishing. <laughs> uh, if only this is taking place in uh, in Oshima, then I would yes. Uh, there, there would be. I would wonder some things. I'm gonna also rate it four point five. I'm gonna give it um, uh, four point five flying brides out of five. <laughs> so, um, I guess Twitter you polls gone, are forthcoming. You, they, they will be after I've mm-hmm. had a bio break. Uh, but I was to say, this all says you could have said plot misangas because that's what they are. <laughs> yes, plot misangas. Uh. Out of five, four, four and a half plot misangas out of five. Very good. Um, mm-hmm. And that brings us to the end of Sars and My Episode 3. Um, thank you all for hanging out Indeed. with us, for chatting. It was a very good chat today. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, for those of you that had to run, you know, hope that you watched the VOD and we'll see you in the future. Please feel free to leave um, comments about stuff that you missed. We should be back this Friday, I believe. Mm, no, no. Oh no, you're right. No, this week again. This week will not be the week where we double up. I have something to do on Friday, so uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do yeah. episode four Monday or Tuesday. We'll figure it out, and we'll then yeah, out. yeah, and then hopefully episode five will take place on that Friday. Yep. Excuse me. We will see. Um, Indeed. So. Let's see, are there any other housekeeping deals? I'm not sure. Um, follow us on Twitter at WaterWeDesho. We have an inbox. Uh, if you happen to listen to iTunes, SoundCloud, or other services, do feel free to leave us a review and a rating. It'll help our discoverability. And it makes us feel all warm and fuzzy inside. As you you know, I, I love that good shit. I love reading nice comments. So, uh, Keep them coming, folks. But yeah, as always, yeah. um, thank you all so much for joining us for the chat uh, for Sirens of My Episode mm-hmm. 3. Uh, we will be back in full force next time. So unfortunately, Vorgelia can't yep. be with us today. Yep. Um, and we'll be back covering that. Uh, Keeping out for other content that will hopefully be coming soon that we'll be doing uh, some side projects and whatnot. But uh, watch this space. Watch this space, indeed. Space. Don't leave us bad reviews. I don't want that. Go to iTunes and leave us a review, and you'll win a lifetime supply of our affection and love. <laughs> and deep appreciation so please uh join us next time thanks for hanging out as we say every week embrace each other everyone to the ends of the universe Mwah. good night Mwah.